life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Michelle Slaney Travato here, and you are tuning in again to the Living Your Legacy podcast. Uh, today, I really had to bring back a guest because she shared a little bit about living into your happiness, and it it inspired me to think, gosh, there's much more to this than I think people know about. So I would like to take an opportunity to welcome back Lisa Lopez. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you, Michelle. So excited to be here again. So for those of you who didn't get a chance to hear Lisa in the first episode, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a certified happiness coach, a professional coach, mentor coach, sorry, a mental fitness trainer. I love that term. We're going to inquire about that. And an Ironman athlete, you know, in all the spare time she has. Lisa helps women over 30 go from feeling stuck, unmotivated, and low energy into true happiness. Oh, and don't we all want more of that? This is a place where they feel inspired, energized, and confident that anything is possible. Again, who doesn't want more of that? She teaches the principles of mindful movement, positive intelligence, and evidence-based strategies from the science of happiness. Now, Lisa, I need to know, right out of the gate, more about the science of happiness. Tell us about that. What is that? Yes, thanks so much for the question. Uh, so the science of happiness is actually a branch of science. Um, it is, uh, it's kind of an offshoot of positive psychology, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. Um, and what it is, is that it's been researched uh, for over 80 years at Harvard. Um, they actually followed people around, <laughs> groups and groups and groups of people to do their research to try and identify what particular behaviors occurred in the happiest people. And so what emerged as a result of that research were these specific strategies that when you apply them to your life consistently will bring you more happiness. Wow. Like who knew, um, you know, we've often said we, we all need to know a little bit more about how to be happy. I did not know that for 80 years, people have been out researching that. Uh, so that they could come up with these lists and be able to um, have people like yourself teach the rest of us strategies on how to do more of those happy things. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you do as a happiness coach. So what I do is I definitely leverage that the science of happiness in terms of the strategies that are recommended. But 
as we all know, happiness can look very different on different people. So part of my role as a happiness coach is to help my clients figure out what that is. Um, and, and a lot of times that's even, you know, the very first step is helping them give themselves permission to make their happiness their priority. As we all know and can probably relate to, we are, you know, often socialized to believe that there is you know, just a lot of pride in helping other people, which there is, right? We love being a great friend to other people. We love giving, 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 giving. But the reality is, is that we tend not to do that for ourselves. So a lot of my work goes into kind of reprogramming people and recognizing that when you give to yourself first and make your happiness your priority, then you're coming from a place of abundance and you're able to give freely without feeling depleted. Um, whereas when we're constantly giving, but we're not doing anything to kind of re-energize, reset, recharge ourselves, then oftentimes things like resentments, unhappiness, a feeling burnout occur. So that's really me helping people reframe the way that they approach happiness in their lives. You are so right. Um, I, I think in the time of the world that we're in, just, just sort of headed out of COVID, I won't say we're fully post COVID. Um, there's been a lot of people who have found themselves in positions of giving, 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 giving without really either taking the time or the having the ability to be able to give to themselves. So if somebody is feeling some of those negative emotions that you were saying, what are some quick little strategies that somebody could do to help shift their mindset? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, and it's, you know, number one thing that is going to shift your mindset and how you feel um, in your body is movement. And then, you know, so even if it's a little walk outside in nature or whatever your movement of choice can be, I mean, I love dance parties in my kitchen that will get me going, but literally it's going to shift your energy the quickest. So moving your body, um, even if you have disabilities, there's different ways to do that that you can learn, uh, you know, from like chair dancing to different types of chair yoga. Um, so there's, there's definitely modifications out there for all people, but just getting your body moving immediately is going to help open up your mind. It's going to drop some really important hormones into your system that help to facilitate happiness and optimism. So that would be my first recommendation. Like if possible, just go outside, breathe in that beautiful fresh air, allow that warmth to feel on your skin to get that process going. So that would be, that would be happiness tip number one. I love that. Um, I am, I believe in chair dancing, particularly when I'm driving, I might find that song that I really like. And I totally rock out at the stoplight. So I, I've always got people smiling at me in their cars because I'm like singing along and having a great time. Um, and you'd be amazed how, um, how quickly that will move from one person to another. Cause I watch them first. They're like, hmm, who is this girl? Then they start smiling. Then they find it quite entertaining. So, um, movement. I love that. Even if it is just maybe say turning on your favorite song that lifts you up and having that dance party in your kitchen. Also a fan favorite of mine and my family's 
uh, for sure, can certainly shift the way you're thinking. That's very cool. I love that. So if you're feeling like the world is just kind of yuck, the day is kind of yuck, maybe put down your pen, close your laptop, put your phone down, get up and move. Go outside, walk around your house a few times if you can, do the chair dance, turn on your favorite tune, whatever that is for you, so that very quickly you can shift what's going on. I love it. So Lisa, tell me now, most kids, when they go to school and their grade four teacher says to them, what do you want to be when you grow up? A happiness coach isn't in the top 10 of the answers. How'd you get there? Well, I hope one day it is. Um, <laughs> so I, it's interesting story, actually. I, I, I became a, a life coach and then ultimately happiness coach out of a personal crisis of my own. So when my son, oldest son turned 15, it was the morning of his 15th birthday. We received a phone call from juvenile hall and he had been arrested. So as you can imagine, parents out there who are listening, um, we were in complete shock. We uh, went into a complete depression. I mean, it, what ensued was the breakdown of my family. My son was removed, obviously, from our home. My youngest son lost his brother. We lost our son and uh, we were just devastated. Um, and also, I just want to be really clear that I mean, we were we 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 didn't have any idea what was going on. Like we were as a PTA president, we were in boosters, we did presidents of baseball. I mean, we were very involved in our children. Not like that really matters, but just that we were in shock. <laughs> no idea. And so what happened as a result of that crisis was a blessing, which was we were introduced to the transformational power of life coaching. So my son was required to do an immersive experiential life coaching program. And we as parents were required to do the very same work. So when I arrived at that program, I was there and very committed thinking I was there to save my son's life. Upon completion of the program, I realized I was there to save my own life. And so just from the coaching I received, I was incredibly inspired. I thought every man, woman, and child should have access to a life coach. And I wanted to be part of that solution. So it was then that I made the decision to leave my longstanding career at the hospital and become a full-time life coach, helping other women and families reconnect to their happiness, just like I was. Wow. That is a very profound story. Um, and I love that, you know, lots of times when negative things happen, we feel very defensive and protective of ourselves, of, of how we handle things, of life, um, of our children. And I love that you went into that experience of coaching with an open mind and an open heart, thinking, I'll do whatever it takes to help my son. Um, and I love that about you. You're just so sweet. Um, <laughs> But I also love that along the way, you discovered a bigger application for that and a new calling in your life. And really, that's what legacy is about, isn't it? Finding your calling and then working to live into it. So what was the process like of becoming a certified happiness coach? Yeah. So um, at that time, I when I received the life coaching, I I was at the point where um, I had, you know, obviously my family was in crisis, so there was some healing to be done there. So I started to apply the coaching that I learned into my life and communities. And I started to work with different nonprofit groups, um, other parents of troubled teens, that kind of thing. 
And then ultimately I, I got certified. So I found a, a coaching school that was really aligned with what I wanted to work and do. Um, I went through that program and then I took additional courses in positive psychology and science of happiness and different certification programs like that. And then just kind of launched my full-time practice which has taken me in many directions, which is really a kind of the exciting part about life coaching is there's a lot of variety and flexibility to really integrate who you are. And I think that's, that's part of the legacy piece, which is um, what's your unique footprint here to offer and contribute to the world while we're here doing the work that we're doing. And so for me, that's come to the point where I'm using things like, you know, movement in my practice, because I love and understand the value of that in terms of happiness and well-being. Um, working with women's groups. I really love working with women's groups. I, you know, now I'm doing retreats. And so as I'm learning more about myself and evolving as a woman, as a parent, as a sister, as a wife, then I bring that into my practice. And um, I think that's a really important part of what what we do here is when we embody what we are and who we are and what we're passionate about, then it's very authentic. And so it's just, you're walking the talk and people see that with you. So um, I always say, it's not what I do, it's who I am because everything that I am offering my clients and, and the communities in the world is exactly what I practice in my own life. So it's not like I'm putting it on to go to work. I'm, I, I literally do all of these things in my own life and I've found tremendous joy and happiness in doing that. Um, even as I'm evolving and growing and aging, you know, like you learn different levels of radical acceptance in your life for the challenges that come your way, right? And so how can I take that learning and then help my clients to do that too? Wow, that is just, again, so inspiring. You had this really horrific experience in your family and out of that, you decided instead of getting lost in the darkness of all that, to step into happiness and to find ways to create that in your own life and then share that out with other people. That's amazing. So tell me now, how has becoming a happiness coach and serving other people in that way and living into your own legacy changed you? Oh, wow. I mean, it's just, it's just, <laughs> um, it's changed me in a lot of, lot of very profound ways. I think it has helped me to truly embrace and love all of me. Um, and that includes my kind of self-love story, which wasn't pretty, you know, and still continues to be, you know, unpretty at times, if that's a real word. Uh, so I think it's just, this, again, this idea of acceptance. Um, and that, and that's also what I teach people and love to come on podcast because I want people to understand happiness is not about being perpetually cheerful. Um, and this is something I had to learn in my own life because I wore a mask for many years. I always looked like I was perpetually cheerful and inside I was suffering. And so happiness in essence is the acceptance of all emotions as normal and really in embracing those and seeing that they're vital parts of who we are in our self-love story. Just like I was talking about earlier, you know, how it began this tremendous crisis. I, I would never imagine that 15 years down the road, I would look back at that time and credit it for bringing me the happiness of, and the life I live and love today. And that was the catalyst, that moment of crisis. So when we think about emotions in that way, and we, as they occur, and we see the value in them and the power in them, 
there's less fear, there's less resistance, and we're really able to embrace those and learn from them more quickly. And so that's what how it's helped me grow is the more powerfully when those inevitable challenges of life show up that I can lean in and say, where's the gift? the faster I grow. And so that I think what is the one thing that I really have seen in this journey is my ability to do that more quickly and with less resistance has really benefited me. Yes. And I can imagine that being able to do that would benefit other people as well. Um, I've often thought everything in life kind of happens for a reason. And I'm meant to learn something here. I ask myself that all the time. What am I meant to learn here? I'm meant to learn something. This is being put in front of me for a reason. I'm meant to, to learn something with that and then be able to take that and grow. So I love that. Um, again, that really awful experience in your life was the catalyst to something even greater and better. Um, and that is one of the things that I'm finding that legacy makers all have, that there's some kind of major thing that happens in their lives that then catapults them in a direction that they just never really saw coming, but we're so glad that it did. So tell us now about... Um, Let's talk success. Could you share with us perhaps one of your biggest successes so far? Wow. Uh, I mean, I go right to my family. <laughs> you know, I just think about uh, my family is, I, I, I would say, I say that because I feel that through the work that I've done, my personal work that I've done in my life, that I really changed the trajectory of my, my family. Um, in terms of being able to shed some of those ancestral habits and patterns that existed in my family for decades, years, generations, that now they don't exist anymore for us, right? So um, things like values-based living, right? That was never anything I was told when I became a parent. I had no idea what that was. What do you mean values-based living? How do you do that, right? I mean, our parents came from a generation of survival. I mean, my parents were born in the depression and, you know, it's a much different environment. And so, you know, but we never had conversations like that. But now because of the work that I'm doing in my life and, you know, with my clients and, and just constantly learning about this, I'm able to offer something different to my children. And now I see my sons doing that with my grandchildren. And so the level of communication, um, the level of self-awareness, um, vulnerability is it's just tenfold. I mean, you know, like I said, that didn't exist in conversations. I don't blame my parents at all. They did a great job. They love me tremendously. But we are embarking on just tremendous knowledge, right? We have the internet, we have all of these shared mediums where we're able to really learn and grow together and then apply that to our family. So I look at them and I just am so excited for what they're going to go out and create from the tools that I gifted them. And they'll continue to add to that toolbox. And I can't even imagine what will happen. So for me, that feels like such success, right? Like, yeah, we were able to get rid of some of those things that weren't working and replace them with things that really are going to make a big difference, not only in the lives of my children, but how they show up in the world. And, and that's really important to me is, is being able to contribute in that way. Again, so powerful. When we break the negative cycles and generational negative cycles, 
we do allow for not only ourselves, but our children, our children's children to be able to live in the world differently and better. I love that you talked about that. That's amazing. And I would imagine through your coaching, your clients have similar stories of being able to um, break cycles or change things or improve things within their own themselves and their families as well. So looking at say an average person who's trying to create a legacy, they've been called to create something, maybe like you, they've had a really negative experience and they're searching for the positive, the thing that they're being called to do, or maybe there's a change that they want to make in their lives. That's like big, or maybe they want to create something because they're uh, getting older and they're looking at, you know, how do I fit in the world? What's the legacy? What will people say about me? Um, And they're looking to do that. What are some happiness tips, some steps that you could give them to be able to pursue that, I guess, with more joy and peace? So when you were talking, what just came out to me, came up to me as you were talking was just, you're already that person. You're already, you know, just you existing in the world is already enough. And anything else is icing on the cake. And I, I, I totally understand about like, yeah, feeling this passion and calling. Cause I've off, I, I continue to feel it you know, as I continue to grow. Um, but I, I also don't want people to discount how special they are right now without doing anything and just you connecting more to that um, a lot, you know, whether that's through just reflection or asking yourself, what are my strengths? What is unique to me? How am I unlike anyone else? And I think a lot of times that comparison is the killer of joy, right? (laughs) Because we think we have to be like someone else. No, you just need to be like you. But recognize that if you don't find the courage to share yourself with the world, your authentic self, then the world will never receive it. And what a loss that is to all of us, right? So I think in terms of happiness and joy, the more that you can connect with yourself and be proud of who you are and your thoughts and, and whatever that is for you, then when you come from that place, you're just you're simply sharing yourself with the world. And that just feels less hard. Sometimes I'm feeling it has to look a certain way or be a certain way. Um, so that would be really my advice. And then when you come from that place, again, the energy is just so different it feels more like a pull than a push, right? Like, oh, I'm trying to, and we know energetically what that feels like. I'm trying to get something done rather than just letting it unfold, right? So I think that would really be what I would, I would encourage people to do. Um, and then, so, yeah, how do I do that? You know, you, you do look at your strengths. You do look what, at what you enjoy. Uh, you add, it's a lot of self-reflection. You ask yourself, when was I on fire? I mean, when I have passion, when I, when did I want to jump out of bed in the morning? Who was I being right again? Not what, what I was doing, but who was I being? You know, what practices was was I doing at that time that allowed me to be that person? And I think that opens up a lot too. like, oh, yeah, I was connecting with people more. Maybe I was going outside more. Maybe I was taking care of myself in this way differently. Um, And so when you do when you're able to connect with all of those things and you, again, embody yourself more powerfully. That is very profound. Um, Who was I being at that point and what was happening in my life? that allowed me to be that person. I love that. Looking at those things because, you know, you can recreate some of that 
Um, you know, if it was that you were out connecting with more people, maybe I need to go back out and start connecting with more people because that brings me joy or happiness, or maybe I do need to focus in on self-care. What do I, what do I need? What do I value? What do I, how can I fit that in my life? Cause I always hear people saying, but I'm so busy and I'm sure you hear it too. I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy for that. Well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, it could be a great spa weekend. That would be awesome. And most of us are like, woohoo, let's do it. But the reality is a lot of people for a variety of reasons can't take an entire weekend to do that. So it could be, you know, can I lock the bathroom door and have a 20 minute bubble bath because the bubbles bring me joy or it's just calming and peaceful and grounding. And then from there I can carry on. So it is about finding those simple things and looking at when was I last on fire? I love that question. When was I last on fire? What was happening in my life? What was, what was I on fire about? What was I doing about it that made me leap out of bed in the morning? Love all of that. Because those questions are so good, especially if you've been called to something and it gets hard because it does. It gets hard to change things, to stretch and learn and grow, um, to stay in growth as opposed to sitting back into old habits, it can get very hard. And it's easy to, like you said, feel like you're pushing it through rather than being pulled into it because it's what you love. So I think it's so important to ask those questions. Those are great questions. Now, you also mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you've been sort of moving from um, your coaching business into retreats. Tell us about that. What are you doing with all the retreats? Yeah, thank you. I literally just got back from a, my Sedona retreat last weekend, so I'm still kind of orbiting the universe. Um, but it's it's an extension of what I was just speaking to. I identified in myself what where I'm the most fire, what I love to do, where I feel most connected, where I feel most passionate. And when I looked at those strengths, I realized, oh, that's a retreat host. <laughs> so I was I really just um, manifested this whole beautiful experience. And again, it unfolded. And so last weekend I was in Sedona with 14 beautiful women and souls. And it's just about creating a safe, non-judgmental space for women to come and be themselves together, do their own work too. Um, you know, and I, that container just ignited the souls of all the, those women. I mean, I can't even literally, I could cry right this moment because the level of connection and respect that I witnessed with these women gave me hope for humanity, quite honestly, <laughs> like 14 strangers coming together, totally different, don't the different ages, different socioeconomic backgrounds coming together and having such mutual respect, you know, just holding space for each other to be heard and seen and valued. And just so considerate of each other in that way. I was just like blown away from the experience <laughs> um, that it just, it was just validation that I'm on the right path. And this is exactly what I want to do and continue to offer these places for people to come and do this work. So yeah, this is my jam, Michelle. I'm like, I want to do this every weekend. <laughs> 
that's amazing. And, and you just lit up with such joy and happiness, funny enough about our topic. When you were talking about that, like I really saw um, how this is bringing out the best in you as you're working to bring out the best in others. I love that. So Lisa, tell us now how people can find you because clearly there's going to be some people who are really interested in what you're doing and might want to know more about it. How can they find you? They can find me, uh, but probably the easiest way is to just reach out to me on email. So Lisa at livehappycoaching.com. Uh, you can also go to my website, which is livehappycoaching.com as well. And it will have a lot of information um, from the different programs that I offer. It's also going to have our newest retreat that is coming up April 12th through the 16th, 2023, again in Sedona. I love that place. So that would be probably the easiest way to reach out to me. Um, also social media, I'm on IG and Facebook at Live Happy Life Coaching. You can reach me there too. Awesome. So Lisa, as we're preparing to sort of clue up our interview, I've got one last question for you and it's a fill in the blank question. So it goes like this. The world would be a better place if more people knew Oh, how special they are. <laughs> oh, tell us more about that. It just uh, it just goes back to um, what I was just saying is that we tend to see the good in others. We tend to celebrate others, but we we really don't take the time to see just how wonderful we are. You know, we don't we don't celebrate ourselves in the own art, the own the way we celebrate others. We don't acknowledge our own greatness. We don't see what amazing uh, contributors we are each and every day, you know, whether that's just getting up in the morning and getting out of the house, that's special. You know, every time you interact with someone that deserves um, acknowledging. And so I, I just feel like there needs to be a shift uh, for us to do the work to really see that specialness in ourselves. Wow. That's really quite beautiful. So for everyone in the audience today, um, the thoughts that Lisa and I are going to leave you with is that you are extraordinary as you are right now. And anything that you choose to do around creating your legacy and benefiting the world is just changing the world in the most positive way and putting those ripples out there. Thank you, Lisa, so much for being on the podcast today. As always, I am so inspired by the things you say and the support and the happiness that you bring into the world. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for all that you're doing as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.